Good Evans, it's a Bobcast. Welcome back. I'm Bob Evans, your host. My real name's Kevin Mitchell, but, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, I'm guessing that you probably already know that. Um, Thanks for tuning in again. I'm not sure what number episode we're up to, actually. We're starting to get to the point now where it's probably becoming redundant, you know, for me to keep sort of um, saying what number it is, which is a great thing. It means uh, that uh, we're we're settling in. Um, we're settling into this whole podcast thing. Don't forget uh, that you can listen to the Spotify playlist that I've been putting together. It's called Good Evans, It's a Bobcast Soundtrack. And you go onto Spotify and every episode I uh, chuck up new songs on there that uh, ref- in reference to what my guest has chosen from their, um, from their playlist and what we talk about. So check that out. Also, too, if you're in the Newcastle area this Saturday, September the 3rd, I'm playing it Elsewhere the Rooftop. It's going to be awesome. It's this gig on a rooftop. Get it, right? Elsewhere the Rooftop. So there's a bunch of other people playing, and it's going to be really, really cool. So, yeah, if you're in Newcastle, Saturday, September 3rd, um, I think you can still get tickets to that. It'd be great to uh, have you along. Lots more stuff, actually, coming up uh, very soon, which I can't tell you about yet, but rest assured... There are going to be some more Bob Evans shows uh, touring around the country, but they're going to be a little bit special, uh, and that's all I can really say for a few weeks anyway. Uh, that's something to look forward to. Also, Jeb and I are playing uh, A Day on the Green all through November uh, with uh, UMI and something for Kate and Spider Bait and the Meanies. It's going to be a total 90s fest. Uh, so, yeah, it's wineries. You know how the Down the Green stuff works, probably. Uh, if you don't, I wholeheartedly uh, encourage you to, to come along. It's really, really great. All the shows are at wineries. That means drinking wine and listening to music. So if you're anything like me, that's, t- yeah, that's, that's two wonderful things all happening at the same time. Can you believe it? Let's talk about the Bobcast. My guest this week is my touring buddy, Melody Poole. Now, we just finished doing an, a national tour together in support of my new record, Car Boot Sale, and also in support of Melody's new record, Deep Dark Savage Heart. Uh, I, th- I think Melody's great. I've already sort of mentioned that, I think, on this podcast. Uh, she's just, she was, she's a brilliant singer, great songwriter. And I had planned to talk to her before the tour started, but we ran out of time, and we were going to do it while we were on the road. But, of course, that was never going to happen. I don't know why I thought it would. So we finally found time once the tour had finished. Uh, Melody invited me round to her apartment uh, in Melbourne, and it was really nice. We sat in her living room, we drank some wine, and we just had a good old chat. And I, this is one of my favourite podcasts, I think, because it is extremely extremely it's just a couple of people shooting the breeze in the lounge room in melbourne um so i hope you enjoy it this is episode whatever of good evans it's a bobcast I'm here with my special guest <laughs> for the Bobcast, Melody Jane 
Cool. Hi, Melody. Hello. Um, this was actually our second attempt at. Yeah. Uh, we weren't talking for very long, though. We were we only weren't. talking for a few minutes. We were just sort of. We introduced. It was, it was Holly, right? The, it's Holly. Holly. She's in the same position. Holly, who just almost. Uh, it's almost like she knew we were starting again because yeah. she's come straight back to the same position yeah. she was in when we started. Holly is the dog, by the way. Yes, yeah, so Holly is... Uh, what sort of dog is Holly? Holly's a Kelpie cross Jack Russell, but we think she's got a bit of chihuahua in her because she's yeah, she really looks like beady-eyed she does. and yeah. weird-looking. She's very soft and very affectionate. Um, and we were just talking about your uh, painting as well because your apartment is... Uh, is uh, strewn with uh, with uh, artwork. What's what's your uh, painting style? Like, how, what do you use? Oh god, I don't know. I use a lot of oil paints. Um, I I've just started. Like a few months ago, I started painting with acrylic and um, just copying other paintings. And then I started using oil paints and and loved them a lot more because they're a lot more vivid. But yeah, I um I really love painting. It's sort of a a freedom that yeah. I haven't had with um, with music, I guess, because I've always had to be be good at music because it's mm. been my job as well. So, be, like being a painter, you can be shit at it, and there's no you, pressure. Where, have you always painted? Have you always? No, no, no. I'm... So, so what what came first uh, creatively? Was it music or painting? Yeah, yeah. Or... It was always music. Like I grew right. up in a musical family. My my dad has been a full-time musician for like 30 years yeah. and my mum played in the band until two weeks before I was born like she sang harmonies so it's always been music for me and I've uh, I'm pretty creative like I can mm. kind of pick things up but I always thought I was so totally shit at painting um because every time I painted I was shit but um <laughs> I don't know <laughs> like lately I think I just tr- kind of paid more attention to detail and been trying a lot harder and and mm. actually learning like that's something mm. that I haven't done in such a long time is mm. actually learn something and take time to learn it because as an adult you just always want to learn it like that yeah. we don't have the patience anymore because we're used to being old enough to be able to do everything yeah did you do um uh, like at school, at high school and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I did like, well, I did well, year seven visual art yeah, and yeah. then I did photography through like year 11 and 12, okay. which I was pretty good at photography. But apart from that, I didn't really do any art. I, mm. I would draw at home when I was a kid, but I was, mm. I was never like a great drawer or yeah, really yeah. good at art. I think I just, I, I, not that I wasn't good at art. I think I just never really got it and never yeah, really yeah. liked it it was always yeah. a boring subject to me yeah, whereas yeah. now it's something that's like so meditative. it's weird isn't it because yeah, yeah. it's kind of the same like when i was at high school i mean i used to like drawing i used to like make comics and stuff like that yeah when i was a kid so i guess there was a part of me that enjoyed drawing and stuff but yeah i i know that i was never very good at it and i had yeah. an older brother that was quite good at it yeah yeah um so i knew that i wasn't as good as him and as a teenager, I never really appreciated No, art, you know? I, I, I don't think I understood it. No. I was totally into music. Yeah. And now as an, as, a, as an adult, you know, I see, you know, so many similarities. Like, like the two worlds cross over so yeah, much. Totally. And I can appreciate art in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. But that's taken a really long time yeah. to develop. I feel like it's only just started to develop in me mm. too, but yeah, it was totally such a boring subject to me when I was in school. <laughs> Same as like, I remember going to, to Europe with my family when I was like 12 and walking around Paris mm. and 
not giving a shit wow. and being like, why the fuck am I here? I wow. hate this. And now I look back and I think you fucking idiot. Yeah. Like if you knew, like, but it's, I mean, like it's, you would kill to go there now. Yeah, like, but it's very forgivable. I mean, like when you're young, when you you're kind 12, of don't really like, care. Like, that's right. I mean, you, you take so much for granted. So mm. how did you end up in Paris again when you were 12? Oh, you I think t- we just went on a family holiday cause we had family in um, England right. and then we just went to, France for like a week or something yeah. after the trip. But yeah, I can't remember where we were exactly. I think we were walking to the Louvre and I just did not care about going there yeah. at all. And yeah. now I would love to yeah, go there. Anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess when you're a kid, you just, I mean, yeah. at the time I think all I cared about was Britney Spears toxic song and maybe, <laughs> maybe good Charlotte. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure like your parents would have been convinced that, um, you know, that, like, it would be an incredible experience for you. Yeah. Like, this new cultural experience. Do you remember sort of feeling like the whole culture shock of people speaking a different language? Do you remember any of that sort of being... Um, a little bit. I'm... I'm oh, this... You just had your walkman on the whole time. <laughs> That's probably more accurate. <laughs> so, have you learned any French? You just said, no, I've just been listening to Britney Spears. I've just been listening to Good I know Charlotte. All the words for toxic. <laughs> Um, I, I remember certain parts of it and I remember liking some of it, but just not like the experiences that I had then are experiences that I would save for a year to have mm, now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas then they were kind of handed to me and I didn't really care so much about them, yeah. but I don't, there's certain things I don't remember at all about it, mm. but I kind of, I don't know. I find sometimes a lot of, I think a lot of parents would be like, Let's take our kids when they're young to yeah. experience things. But I, I really think that like going when you're older, they're gonna appreciate so much more. Yeah, like totally. when I I went back when I was like twenty and mm. just took it all in, and it was yeah. a whole different experience. Yeah. So yeah, we were we just finished a tour. Yes, together. We have. And if there's anybody listening that came along to see us, thank you for coming along. Yeah, thanks um, for coming. So yeah, we 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 spent a couple of weeks on the road and. Yeah, I'm kind of interested, like, what's your relationship with touring like? Um, I love touring a lot of the time. I get quite run down. Like, I mm. I was quite run down after our tour, but we had a pretty, like, full-on one. We had, what, like, five flights and... Yeah, it was... Like, it was a, seven days or something. Yeah, ridiculous. it was a fairly condensed tour. It only went for two weeks, but we... What did we do? We did seven shows, seven in, shows in... ten days Ten days? Or seven yeah. shows in ten days? Yeah. Across five states. So... So, yeah, it was fairly condensed. It was, yeah, it yeah. was pretty, f- like, I find those tours can be exhausting mm. just because I yeah. need some sleep in between. But yeah. um, I love touring. Mm. I, I really, I miss it a lot when I'm not on the road. I feel mm. quite out of whack and misaligned mm. with what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like I at least, like, have a purpose and I'm doing something for a reason totally. when I'm on tour. Yeah. Like, I, it's something that anything is, like... Too much of anything is still too much, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do love it, and yeah. it's something that I, yeah, I I really love about this lifestyle is mainly touring. Well, do you get nervous before you play? Um, sometimes it depends on the show. I get anxious to go on if there's a long wait, mm. um, between like sound check right. and show. Yeah, but um, no, I don't get so nervous as I used to get. I get more the anticipation yeah, to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get more anxious actually and more nervous to talk to people on stage and to interact sure. with crowds and to talk to people after shows. 
talking to people after shows can be difficult, especially if you've had a bad show. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And you know, like, if there's, like, there's all these amazing, lovely people that come up after your mm. shows, but then if you get one fuckwit that comes yeah, up yeah. and, like, tries to tell you that you look prettier when your hair's down or something, oh, like, God. I've had that so many times, uh, it just ruins it. And you're mm. like, you fuckwit. Yeah, yeah. That one guy. Yeah. And it's, now's probably a good time to for me to sort of say that, how many, I think this is episode eight, and... Every single person I've spoken to so far has been a dude. And uh, for the last few episodes, ah! for the last few episodes, I've just been like, oh, man, there's just too many dudes. Like, I've got to, and I've got, like, <laughs> there's been a bunch. Fest. It is totally a sausage <laughs> fest. And I've been, for the last month, been, like, uh, you know, trying to, like, we were supposed to record. Yeah, this was actually, this has been a long time coming, has, this one. <laughs> yeah. We were going to do it before the tour started. Yeah, we were. <laughs> and there was just no time. And then we thought, oh, that's cool, we'll do it on the tour. <laughs> That didn't happen. <laughs> and so now we're like a week after this was finished and we're finally doing it. Yep. Um, but anyway, that was a long-winded way of sort of introducing the topic of being a woman yeah, in the music industry. Yep. And, you know, I broached this topic with a little bit of trepidation because, you know, it's probably something that maybe you're asked to talk about a lot. And yeah, I, know, I mean, you, you get it a bit, but it's I actually I like talking about it. Because so for years, like playing in Jebediah and having female bass player, and Ness used to get asked it a lot. And I yeah. could always see that she didn't really like the question. Yeah. I think because she always kind of felt like... Why is it a question? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But so, but anyway, I'm interested to sort of hear, you know, what sort of views you have or what experiences you've, you've had, yeah. you know, that have kind of stuck out. Or... Um, I mean, I'm sure my experiences are probably quite similar to yours, apart from the fact that I'm just a woman. That's <laughs> a pretty, you know, yeah. that's a pretty different experience. I but um, it is a different experience in certain ways. I mean, there's obviously like the things that stick out to me are going to be kind of the shit things mm. because they're the ones that that jump out at you and that you remember, mm. I suppose. But it would be little things like people not taking you seriously. Like, for instance, like two years ago, I was on tour with Marlon Williams mm. and we had a co-headlining tour, so I was headlining one night and he'd headline the next night, and yeah. it was awesome, and um, it was one of the funnest tours I've done. But we had, like, a few people, and there was a few sound guys on that tour, which was weird because I love sound guys. But um, there were a few of the, you know, very right-wing um, right. sort of, I don't know, weird misogynistic sound guys who would all like I remember specifically this one sound guy that we had that I walked into the show and I was carrying my two guitars and he said to me you're carrying guitars for your boyfriend yeah and I was like okay here we go that's the start of something but it kind of like grew I I was progressively getting angrier so obviously it was getting more negative to me but um yeah but like it eventually got to like I started doing sound check and he was like come on love how long do you have to take and I was like this is my sound check and he's like but you're only the support and I was like no I'm headlining tonight like just someone being a fuckwit because he thought he could be exactly like just because he thought that it could fly with me yeah but yeah, it's just been, I guess, experiences like that or like walking into a music store and you don't ever get asked if you're looking for anything or because right. I guess sometimes you're not really taken seriously. Yeah. But, I, um, I know that like there's been many times where somebody has asked like who, which member of the band is Ness in a relationship with? Yeah. Because yeah. of course, like she has to be fucking one of the guys, yeah, right? Exactly. To be in the band, surely. <laughs> you know, and exactly. that happened, and that, that's happened on 
many occasions mm -hmm. I've, I've overheard oh, that. Oh, God, yeah, that all the time. And the amount of, like I said before about, like, I've had men come up to the, sh like, after a show to me and be like, you'd be more attractive if you did this or if you smiled. And I'd be like, I'm singing about, like, chronic depression. How, why am I supposed to be smiling through this? I just can't believe that, you know, guys that have the audacity to... I know. Say that kind I know. of thing. I find it so weird too because like I I would never say that to somebody. No. I would never tell even if I thought it, I would yeah, never yeah, tell yeah. someone like how their show could be better. Yeah. Because that's their show. Yeah. It's like you respect it. Wow. It's so bizarre. I actually found it a bit with my this is going off the topic of no, women. No, that's um, what this podcast is all yeah. about. We go off topic yeah, as exactly. much as possible. Exactly. I love it. I love it already. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like I found a lot like with my dad and my dad's a big guy and he's, I mean, he was born an 11 stone baby. Like he's always been a big guy and um, beautiful, beautiful man. But I would play in a band with him through my teenage years. Like mm. I just played rhythm guitar and sang harmonies in my dad's band. Yeah. And people come up to him after shows and be like, Oh, well, I guess she didn't get the looks from you then, hey? <laughs> and it's like, why the fuck would you say yeah, that yeah, to another yeah. human being? Like, yeah. that is actually a horribly rude thing to say to somebody. Yeah. And you could, like, I could always tell that my dad was hurt by it too. Mm. And, but he would never let on to them. Right. It was yeah, just such yeah. a weird, like, it's so weird what people think that it's okay to say. Yeah. To totally. someone just because you put yourself out there. Obviously, there's like the physical appearance mm -hmm. thing that, and then also people not sort of taking you seriously. Yeah. You talk about going into music shops and yeah. well, like you just don't get served or what? what yeah. There's been like, I mean, not all music shops, obviously. Like I've been in some like awesome ones. I have friends that work in music shops, but I like just for instance, like going into a music shop in, I don't, I can't even remember. I think I went to one in Nashville and one in Melbourne. And I don't go in them very often because mm. I find them a bit uncomfortable, right. but I'd go in and I remember going actually into this one in Nashville. I, I can't remember what the store was, but um, I remember walking around there for about 40 minutes and I was going to buy like a guitar. I was yeah. looking for a, a, a vintage guitar or something and I'd had some cash on me because I'd just yeah, yeah. been on tour and I was really excited. And I think I walked around for yeah, like 40 minutes and no one approached me. And I was like, I'm not going to buy my guitar from here. This is kind of shit. Did like, you ever? No, did like, you people, consider people just walked like, past me and were just like, "Hey," but then like a dude would walk in and they'd like be right up on mm, them and like mm. asking them if they need anything. Sure, and, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think I eventually just started taking guitars down from the walls and playing mm. them and just, yeah. I mean, it's weird. Sometimes it kind of surprises me that the music industry. You know, you would like to think that you know a creative industry would be a little bit more progressive absolutely when it yeah. comes to issues of sexism misogyny mm -hmm. that kind of thing but the reality is that yeah it's just as well i don't know any other industries so yeah, it's very difficult for me true. to make very true comparisons true for, for me too from from my experience but i get the feeling that maybe the music industry is probably um has just as many problems and just as many issues to deal with there that yeah and i feel like we are kind of progressive like i mm. feel like our industry is kind of progressive i just feel like that there is so much ingrained that people don't mm. realize is misogyny until mm. they're called out on it yeah like 
like for instance all of those Holly's <laughs> just dog. Holly's just sat at the laptop yeah she's, uh, she's ready to work. start work <laughs> <laughs> she's looking at us like how could you laugh at yeah me? I know she just looked very unimpressed then didn't she that we were laughing at her such a weird toy um <laughs> Yeah, but I, yeah, like for instance, if I walked into like that music shop, maybe a guy was like, oh, maybe I won't go up to her because she will feel intimidated. Maybe I'll just leave her to go. Maybe she doesn't like want my help or Mm. I don't know. Maybe there's just like. But if you're an employee at a shop, like it's your job to be in customer service, to serve customers. Then surely I know, you... <laughs> but do you ever get that thing where you're like you're trying to be a good person and in turn you're worried that you're not being a good person? So Absolutely. I feel like if I was in their position, I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to approach that woman because she's going to think that I think that she doesn't know what she's no. talking about. So I need to help her. So I'm just going to leave her. Like sometimes I worry that that's what's happening, and I, I try and be like compassionate to everyone sure. having their feelings. I think in that situation, what you're saying. But I think in that situation, it's probably just an example of, you know, somebody just not doing their job. Yeah, true. Right? <laughs> it's I'm kind just, of their job. I'm just being too nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just go into music shops now and be like, Bob Evans told me to be mean, so I'm going up. to be mean. <laughs> he said I can be mean. <laughs> Look, I think that uh, if you're a woman, then you probably become used to having to work a little bit harder to mm. get what you want. And that's from the, yeah. the, the, the those minute kind of examples of day-to-day life yeah. right right through to, um, you know, the, the yeah. more broader kind yeah. of examples. I well. do feel like this job in Australia is fucking hard. I've fe- felt it a lot lately about feeling a bit like, like there's so m- much further to go before I will be considered a serious artist in Australia or something mm. or a successful at least. Like mm. I feel a lot like there is not very many avenues mm. for musicians in Australia and not only musicians, but female musicians in Australia mm. because we really only have like one avenue <laughs> or a few avenues mm. and they don't. I don't feel like they celebrate women as much as we, as mm. as equally as yeah. as they celebrate men. So I, yeah, I feel a little bit like it's a, it's a hard slog in this country for women. Absolutely. But at the same time, like all the women that I know that are successful in this country have worked their fucking asses off. What's let's talk about success. You know the idea of yeah, success. Sure. So I'm interested to kind of you know know what what success kind of means to you. What's your idea of success? Um, it's funny, you know, like I, I didn't really know for a long time. And then I supported Tina Arena a few months ago, which is super random. What? Yeah, in March. Really? And it was so awesome. Wow. And so like, that's just, just, so was she, was she on tour just doing a, yeah, a regular kind of concert? Yeah, she was just doing like a concert. It was at Hamer Hall mm. and it was amazing. And I just, it was like a last minute, do you want to support it? How did the, yeah, how did the gig come about? It was, yeah, it was just last minute. Like You just got the phone call? Yeah, I just got like an email through my agent. It was, it was cool. Um, yeah, and I remember, like I never really thought much about Tina Arena. I knew that she'd had success or whatever. Mm. And... I was watching her side of stage and she's amazing. And it kind of hit me that that is long-term success Mm. in music. 
you know, she lives half the time in France, half the time in Melbourne. She goes and she does all these amazing shows. She sold out Hamer Hall in three mm. days or two days or something like that. Mm. Like, that's pretty much success. Like, and I feel like success is very, very relative to how you perceive success yeah, as well, obviously. Absolutely. Like, I would consider myself successful even though I'm not at the successful that I would mm. like like to be. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Tina Arena is an interesting one because she started in Young Talent Time, mm. so she was a child star, it's a, it's a, a child TV star. Well. You know, going right back to the eighties, I think. Yeah. Um, then she was kind of a pop star. Yep. In Australia, but but not just a pop star, but one of the, you know that one of her records, I think, is like one of the highest selling, if not the highest selling Australian oh, album wow. of all time. She was huge. Yeah. And then she, yeah, went and had this massively successful career in France. Yeah, yeah. Um, and was kind of out of the picture in Australia for a while. Yeah. And then it's come back, and this is all sort of, now it's, so this is like over the space of what, like 30 yeah. plus years or whatever. I mean, that is quite extraordinary. It's amazing. And you look at like, it's funny, you know, like I have been thinking about this a lot lately, and I love Australia, and I wouldn't, I don't think I'd live anywhere else, but. I've found that, like, the successful women in music that I look up to have had, like, that are Australian have success outside of Australia. Yeah. And that's how they become successful inside mm. of Australia. It's kind of like Australia claims you after you're successful somewhere else. Yeah, of course. Who yeah. are some of those Who are some well, of like those women? Well, like for Sia, for example. Right. Yes, yeah. That's phenomenal. But yeah. you know, like, what else about Sia that I find that occurs, I think, sometimes? And... I mean, she's the kind of success and the kind of career that she has carved out is, I mean, is is there a precedent for that in Australia? Like, yeah, exactly. I still don't think that she necessarily gets the amount of credit here that she. No, not that she should. Yeah, totally. But like, for do you remember? Um, there was that. I mean, I could be totally wrong, and hopefully, listeners won't. <laughs> hate me for no, this. No, look, there's nothing we like, can be as wrong, <laughs> as wrong as you like on this but do podcast. You remember, it's a like, safe space. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when uh, Sia won, like, what, like, seven Arias or something, and then she was going to give them away on her Twitter? Mm. And people kicked up this huge stink about it. And it was kind of like, well, fuck. Like, what, when because was she didn't she... appreciate? Yeah, and it was like, well, when was she appreciated? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. she's gone somewhere else and she's super appreciated. Mm. So mm. Why, why is she... Why are you condemning her for yeah. giving them? I, mean, I think she was just giving them away to like fans on her Twitter. Like it yeah, was, a, yeah. it was probably just a nice thing. Yeah, but, but she's disrespecting, disrespecting <laughs> the Arias, disrespecting she's the never, Arias. Yeah, but no, I mean, disrespecting just, Australia. Like I don't think, like I don't think that she would have meant it as disrespect. Nah. But at the same time, the people that were kicking up a stink, I was kind of like. Don't really have a leg to stand on to, mm. to kick up a stick. But also, She's made isn't that the yeah. isn't that kind of like the Australian way? Oh, totally. You know, like the, you know isn't that how you would expect a you know a good old Aussie to uh, react to that kind of success or give away? You know, I mean, it does beg the question: like, if it was a rock band of guys uh-huh. that were doing that, I wonder if it would be yeah considered different. I wonder if that would be like, oh, they're larrikins. You yeah, know, exactly. Good old Aussie exactly. larrikins. Yeah. You know what you think? You know. Yeah. There's so much pressure as a woman to just be good all of the time. Yeah. Be a good person. Yeah. And be nice to everybody. Um, let's do go 
talk about your backstory a little bit. Yes, um, sure. Where did you grow up? What was your sort of family environment like? I mean, you've already said that um, your parents were both musicians. Yeah. So, you know, the, the obvious question of was music a big part of your upbringing <laughs> somewhat as answered. But, yeah, let's uh, fill us in on all those kind of details. I was, um, I was five when we moved from Perth. So when we were in Perth, I stayed with my grandparents. Um, and we moved over because my dad's a musician. He wanted to get – he had, like, more shows lined up over New South Wales. So we moved from Perth to Curry Curry in New South Wales when I was five. Why Curry Curry? I don't know. I think dad knew someone there. Yeah, dad knew a musician or someone there. He had a recording studio, and we lived in the recording studio when we first moved to Curry wow. Curry. And so no brothers or sisters, right? No brothers yeah. and sisters. So just the three of you. Yeah. And so um, Curry Curry is kind of near Newcastle, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 20 minutes from Maitland. So yeah. it's like half an hour from Newcastle inland. It's a s- small town. Right? Yeah, How, it's what? like Hunter Valley region. Yeah. Um, it's a small town. There's like maybe, I don't know. Let's say five thousand to eight thousand people. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good guess. Like, like a pretty good I feel guess. like that's wide enough yeah. to kind of. Is there some like a local industry or anything? Uh, oh like... God, I don't know. I a... think it was mining, <laughs> but I don't know. Mining, right? I just lived with my parents who were playing yeah. music all the time. Yeah. And so, and <laughs> your dad had a band. My dad had a band, Albie Paul and No City Limits, and country band, and he still plays. Yeah, they yeah. still play gigs often. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, he started to again. He had a triple bypass at the start of this year, so um, he he was off offline, I guess, for for six months. But he's back on now. And my mum is she sang in the band with him. She's a great singer, but she is also a primary school teacher's aide. Oh, okay. And works with um, like autistic kids yeah, and yeah. kids with cerebral palsy. Yeah, and so I just. Like I grew up in this small little town, and we were all the way away from our my grandparents and stuff. But we would see them every year, so we go to Perth and have very traditional Christmases, right. English so, Christmases every year. Yeah, right. Yeah, every year you go to Perth for Christmas. Yeah, I'm going wow. this year as oh, well. Wow. We have a very like we have a very set in stone Christmas morning, which is get up open the presents granddad hands them out one by one and you have to read the tag and open it and react before we can move on to someone else opening the present. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole opening presents of the morning takes about four hours yeah wow yeah. you just kind of let that one yeah. kind of roll out growing up did you travel on the road was your dad's band um, sometimes i i I do remember like when i was very young i used to travel with them a bit because we still lived in perth and they do a lot of regional shows and go up to Aboriginal communities mm. and play a lot of shows there. And I, there's stories of me like falling asleep next to the bass drum and stuff like that when I'm three <laughs> while they were playing wow. shows. Wow. But, um, but there was less touring when I started school. I mean, we, my dad would still go off on tour sometimes, I think. But he was home a lot. It was like kind of when maybe I was 12 or 13 that – he was like, okay, do you want to learn any guitar? Right. Taught me a few chords. And I used to... So you didn't like, pick up a guitar until you were 12? No, something. yeah. Wow. But I sang. Like, there yeah. was... My dad used to host these country music nights on Wednesday, every Wednesday night. Mm. And it changed venues a couple of times. But he would have, like... He'd be a host. There'd be three hosts. And every week, they'd, they'd rotate. Right. He'd be a host one week and do a set. And then they'd get, like 
kids that were could sing but didn't know how to play with a band or whatever to get up and do like three songs with the band and yeah. teach them how to like sing with a band. So yeah. that's kind of how I learned to play with a band. I would go up and be a walk-up artist every week. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'd sing harmonies with dad. But I think I started going there when I was like eight and I sang there when I was like 10 or 11. And then you'd have a guest artist. And so we did that every Wednesday night. And so when you were 12 or 13, your dad kind of said, right. Do you think maybe he was kind of thinking, well, she's into this music thing and she's pretty good at it. Yeah. yeah do you think he kind of made a decision? Okay, right, I better... <laughs> because I, to, to be honest with you, I'm surprised that, like, you were... That I was I, so young? I just... No, that means no, they're old, sorry. I, yeah, with your upbringing, I kind of imagined that you would have just had a guitar in your hand. No, from, right from the I start. hated it. Like, I picked it up when I was 12 and I swear dad was just like she plays guitar, I can play bass. And then I won't have to like pay for a bass player. (laughs) So like, I think like he taught me three chords, hoping that I'd be like, pick it up really well, but I hated it. And it wasn't until I was like 14 that I actually started playing guitar because I wanted to write songs. And then I started playing in band with him. (laughs) But, um, it took about two years for me to actually like guitar. I fucking hated it when I started it because it hurt my fingers. Yes. it does. It yeah. really kills for the When you the start, start, my it really God. Does kill. So when you, you know, you started playing guitar and, you know, you've got this dad who's playing country music and was that in line with the kind of music that you were lis- listening to at the time? Can you remember um, what sort of stuff you were listening to at that yeah. age? We've already talked about Britney Spears. <laughs> the well, I loved my pop music because I still years, do. The French years of... Uh... Toxic's a good song, though. <laughs> like, I listened to a lot of country music. When I was growing up, obviously. I don't think my parents listened to much else when I was younger, but Mm. I think they actually just forgot. I think they got in country music world and they were just kind of there for like my, my, um, childhood years. Mm. So I remember loving Miranda Lambert and Carrie Underwood when I was like 13 or whatever. It was when I was about 15 or 16. I used to love this movie called Practical Magic with uh, Nicole Kidman and Sandra that's Bullock. That rings and a bell. Are they witches? witches? Right, okay. Yeah. That does swear they're bell. witches. And there's a scene where... Not, it... not to be confused with Bewitched. Not which to, I think no. was also starring Nicole Kidman. It was. Many that's years true. Later, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> she likes her witches, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Woman after my own heart. <laughs> um, so I loved this movie, Practical Magic, and there's a scene with Nicole Kidman and she's driving in the car and she's singing A Case of You by Joni Mitchell. Right. And I How was, does that go again? I could drink a case oh, yeah. of okay. you. Yep. Oh, she sang a piece of you. She got the words wrong. Oh, but, I can't believe they, <laughs> let that, they let that go they through. They did. They let it go through. <sighs> but um, I remember hearing that song and being like, fuck, what is that song? It sounds so pretty. And so I Googled all the lyrics that I knew right. and then and the wrong piece of you lyrics. But it came up with a case of you and that's how I discovered Joni Mitchell. And right. then I started listening to all this new music and I was kind of like, holy shit, this is so... It was kind of a revelation yeah. to, to go from this... I listened to very mainstream country music for a long time. Mm. And then when I discovered Joni Mitchell, I was like, oh my God, it doesn't have to be structured. It doesn't mm. have to be... Like, there doesn't have to be a line to wrap that up. There doesn't have to be a rhyme in every single line. Like, Mm. it kind of was very liberating to to know that I could just write something and it it could be a song regardless of whether it went verse, chorus, verse. Yeah, yeah. It was... Was that also your first sort of time uh, where you um, connected with 
music that wasn't from the present day? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd always loved ABBA. That was another okay. one. Like, I, but I grew up with ABBA because my mum would always yeah. play ABBA. Well, ABBA's always that's yeah. kind of, it's been a bit ubiquitous. I mean, it's not. I, yeah. I've got no memory of Joni Mitchell sort of no, always being either. on the radio growing up. No. I, I remember ABBA always. But I mean, the reason that I'm interested yeah. is like, you know, when you're young and you first kind of connect with music from another decade, from an older decade. In this case, we're talking 60s. Yeah. It'd be Joni Mitchell. Because it's from another time, there's can sometimes feel like a, an, there's an otherworldliness about it. Oh, you know? absolutely. Like, you feel like you're hearing something from another fucking planet sometimes, yeah. you know? Well, as soon as I heard, um, it was Blue, um, Joni's Blue yeah, record. Which is probably I the, went like, out, that's yeah. the most iconic kind yeah. of record. Well, it's yeah. fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I was straight away like, I want a vinyl player. I wish I lived in the 70s. Like, I remember yeah, being totally. like that yeah, yeah, kid yeah. that just didn't want to be. Mm. And all of my friends would be like, you are not meant for this, like, era. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now I'm like, I would hate all of the misogynists then. <laughs> but, yeah. but, yeah, regardless, I mean, as well, I remember hearing Go Your Own Way on the radio oh, yeah, once and asking my dad who played it yeah and him being like Fleetwood Mac and I remember hearing that name not a lot and thinking they sound like a cool band but like I was a teenager and I didn't I had never really listened to them until I went into my mom and I was like do you know this band Fleetwood Mac do you like them and she said yeah I've got their vinyl they're awesome I've loved them forever and all of this 70s music came out from my mom and and she kind of it was so, almost like she rediscovered this music when I discovered right, it because, cool. like, she got out her like Rodriguez record it. and her Led Zeppelin records and her like Still I Span and um, yeah, Joni and and Fleetwood Mac and so it was the first time that. I heard Rumors. Right, so she had all those records kind of in a yeah. collection. And there were all these songs that I'd heard forever, like Going Your Own Way and Don't Stop, that I had no idea were Fleetwood mm. Mac songs. I just mm. had known those just songs because right. they popular songs so you dug into your into your parents record collection a fair bit to discover stuff yeah that's kind of when i started digging into that collection and started to discover more and i had um one of my friends caitlin harnett who supported us um at the sydney show she was a huge music lover and i'd just become friends with her i think and do you want some wine too holly (laughs) i just become friends with her and she showed me like a whole bunch of music that kind of okay so how did all that sort of stuff kind of because you you know so you're in curry curry and um you know at the same time you're sort of very much entrenched in that kind of country music world did you go to tamworth and stuff mm-hmm. all the time and nine years yeah. consecutively when did you first start performing because i know they start mm-hmm. pretty young in tamworth yep. so i can imagine a little teenage <laughs> there was there a teenage melody. Yeah. Oh, I have a photo to show you. You're gonna lose your shit when you see this photo. Right. I see um, it. so I started. I started singing on stage. Like I, I remember getting up with my dad when I was eight and singing yeah. harmonies for him because I could sing harmonies when I was eight. Apparently, so I sang some harmonies on a song. But what about when you, you know, but started sang, performing? You know, in your own. Yeah, the first time I ever sang by myself was uh, in primary school in year five. Yeah. But the first time I ever sang my own songs was when I was 17. Yeah. It wasn't until I was 17 that I 
Uh, I'd written a lot of songs and I, some yeah, of them were really much, shit. Same as me. That's yeah. And then I like had a breakup and then I started writing these songs and I had a, a singing teacher, Lynn Motel, who's amazing. And I was like, oh, I just wrote this song and she was a songwriter as well. Mm. And I played it to her. I was like, it's really shit, but I'm going to show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I played it to her and she was like, it's actually beautiful. What are you talking about? We should actually work on this and not yeah, singing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, okay, are you ready for this photo? We'll have to, like, get your reaction. Okay. I wish they could see Wow. <laughs> okay, so that's a gorgeous photo of her. So how old are you here? Melody? I think I'm 12 or 13. So, and you're wearing a big country hat. I'm wearing a big white cowgirl hat. I've got long, um, thick hair that's been dyed red. <laughs> it's got a real soft focus 80s kind of. Thing, it looks which, very like which I kind of think is, is cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it should be my new promo photo. Oh, that is you should, that is an album. <laughs> that is an album cover with the melody oh my ball God. in that terrible font next to yeah, it. Yeah, you'd have to get rid of that, I reckon. <laughs> but the image no, itself. No, that's the font for the album. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. A, that looks like a classic album cover. It's I mean, mental. sure, it might confuse people a little bit. But oh uh, my God, I look like Travis Tritt. Do you know Travis who Travis Tritt, Tritt is? No, I'm going to Google Travis Tritt. Tritt so you can see and you're going to be like, yes, you look like Travis Tritt. Um, so, and, and one more, I'll ask you one more question about your... Um... <laughs> Travis Tritt. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I Travis, like Travis Tritt. Tritt. Travis Tritt. My hair's the same anyway. No, no, no. no Travis... It's the same kind of album photo. Travis Tritt. Is he American? He's a great singer. Is though. he American? Yeah. Yeah. Co- this is see, these are the people that I know yeah, just because yeah. I grew up in country music. Um, what was it like having a musician as a dad? Or you know, like that was a bad way to pose that question, but because I guess you didn't know any different, right? No, yeah. Um, so but that's kind of awesome. Yeah. As well. It was amazing, purely because like I feel like I've got what's the word? Kind of a wider knowledge of it sounds so wanky not a wider knowledge of life but i mean like as musicians you know we connect to something that's kind of higher Mm. like a higher plane or whatever like Mm. when we're writing songs or whatever Mm. and i feel like my dad really taught that like taught me about that and that it was like money has never been the biggest thing in our lives yeah the money is like i grew up like we're pretty broke but we're fine and we're good now. Like my parents are good now, but like it was always a struggle growing up, but it was never an actual struggle yeah. to me. It yeah. was never a struggle to me because we, my dad would never like, that's not been the main value in mm. my, my childhood and growing up. Um, I feel like I had it a lot easier than other musician friends right. because like I remember having a boyfriend, my first boyfriend who wanted to be a musician and his parents were like, no, you have to be a lawyer. You have to do this and you have right. to go here. And, yeah. and, and I had a lot of musician friends whose parents were like that, which was purely out of their parents want for them to be successful mm. and have money and not struggle. But yeah. at the same time, I never had that, yeah. um, that pressure to be anything other than what I was. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 
I, you know, when I was a child, I said to my parents that I wanted to be a lawyer because I thought business suits were so exotic. <laughs> and <laughs> and I wanted to be an actress because it was so different to yeah. music. And yeah. like, I wanted to be all these different things. And I yeah. ended up being exactly what my dad was, yeah, wow. a musician my whole yeah. life. But like, I mean, I guess some cons would be that, you know, I think you, you probably experienced this too, but like chasing after a dream your whole life can mm. be fucking exhausting yeah. and and really disheartening at times as well mm. but at the same time i feel like at the same time i have a purpose that's beyond just being a like contribution to a machine yeah, like yeah. i feel like i'm actually i feel like i'm contributing something and like i'm i've got a purpose here yeah. other than just um, yeah, just to be, just to be a working cog. and yeah. to be cog in to some just, kind. Yeah, to just like accept that this life is all I have to do is work and then die. Mm. Like, yeah. I feel like I've got a purpose beyond that. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I thank my dad for that. Even mm. though it can be like a, t- a hard slog at times, I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful for it as well because I feel like I'm able to have so many more other experiences. Mm. I wonder if that shit just got deep, man. No, no, that's good. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, let's do the or uh, let's have a check out your uh, playlist, your oh, Archie's God, okay. playlist. So, um, <laughs> as uh, people that listen to this podcast know, we always finish the podcast by uh, going through the guest top twenty-five. Got your laptop out in front of you. Yeah. Um, all right. How about we start at? How about number? What's number twenty-five? Number 25 is oh. End of the Line by the Travelling Wilburys. Oh, wow. Terrific. Nice. That's, That's fantastic. That's a good one. I'm yep. proud of that one. That's a good one, yep. Starting with a song that I know well. So um, what are your <laughs> what are your sort of connections to this song? Any, any Are there any particular kind of things um, that stick out about this song for you? The only thing that sticks out is that I remember listening to this song ages ago and thinking, I want this song at my funeral <laughs> and i just want everyone to get up and sing it um actually only i mean i'd heard a lot of the songs from the traveling wilburys record growing up but um didn't obviously once again didn't know who they were mm. until i went to um didn't know it was basically an amazing super group until i went to a Nashville for the first time I did my oh, right. first album and the producer Brad Jones yeah. um, and the other producer of my first record Jay Seferett took me there because he was singing and they were doing a, um, Brad Jones was playing bass in a band that were playing at the Mercy Lounge this yeah. night they had a whole brass section they had a different singer each song oh. and they would play a whole record um, for this <laughs> night so and they funny. played the Trevor yeah, Wilburys record the long players yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You you played. I remember. Okay, yeah, yeah. so Brad Jones recorded a couple of Bob Evans records, and um, I forgot that he did that. And of yes, and we talked we, when Brad. I went over um, to do my second, well, it was my third Bob record, but my second with Brad. Yeah. Um, he was doing the same thing. Song, but they were doing the Clash. Um, oh, awesome! Personal yeah, and I got up and sang uh, with them on the, oh, the that's Clash awesome. thing. Um, so yeah, so I can kind of I can imagine the. Uh, I can imagine the gig. It was so good. And it was the first time I'd really listened intently to all those songs. And they had mm. all these incredible singers. Mm. Like, I can't remember who sang End of the Line. I remember one dude was really short. And he got up and he did a, the, um, I think he did Rattled. And he was incredible. And yeah. one guy, and the guy that sang um, Not Alone Anymore. 
the Royal Orbison. Okay, yeah, I'm not. Fami- I'm only really familiar with like the kind of the hits. The hits. Yeah, there's um, um not alone anymore is actually number twenty four of my oh, playlist. Okay, yeah. but that's the Royal Orbison. And the guy that sang that at the Long Players gig was fucking I mean, incredible. Big, and, and, you know, doing Roy Orbison would be mm. pretty fucking scary. This song is amazing. Like, yeah. I've tried to no sing this song. No one can sing like Roy Orbison. No. I mean, like... No. I actually cover crying very, very occasionally. Wow. And, I'd um, love to hear that. It was like my goal song to be able to sing one day was yeah. crying and sing it like Katie Lang. But... Right. <laughs> I, I started so low that I can't say that I've succeeded yet. Oh, like, okay, right, I start yeah. so low that I'm like, no, I have not nailed that yeah, yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first time I heard that song was it was a cover by Don McLean. Oh wow, Don McLean. Yeah, I had his one of I had his records on cassette tape, and you know he does the whole like finger pick guitar yeah, kind of yeah. version, and it's just fucking awesome. Um, but obviously, you know. It, the big O probably uh, <laughs> kind of represents that song the, the best. Oh, but, um, yeah. Imagine how many times that song must have been covered. Holy shit. Oh, my God. It'd be a very well-covered song. Yeah, like Free Fallen. Free Fallen. That's um, my most hated song in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Not a Tom Petty I, fan? No, just I love just Tom Petty. Like that song. I just, it's just that song. It's yeah, the only yeah. song in the world that I fucking loathe. But I it's one of his song. most famous songs, too. It is, but I think it's so horrible. Yeah. And that's so subjective, but yeah. just like, I hate the verse melody. I hate the verse, like, yeah. the lyrics. And so, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go to another song. Um, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Ixnay on Melody the... Melody gets mean about Tom Petty. <laughs> Ixnay on the Petty. Um, num- how about... What's number 23. eight? 23. What's number 18? Oh, number 18. Tom Petty free fall. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> why did you say 18? This is oh, no, Gospel by is Panic great. at the Disco, which is legit... Oh, I can't believe it. No, it's right, actually the only so, song on this playlist that I don't know. Please explain. Please explain. Um... <laughs> Um, and and also too, you know, this is going to haunt us because um, every song that we talk about on this podcast um, during this section of the podcast, you have to play it. I put a no. I've got a Spotify uh, playlist. It's called Good Evans is a Podcast Soundtrack. And after each episode, I add three songs to that soundtrack. And um, and uh, one of those songs will now be. No, Panic at the Disco. Can't you choose another one? No, no, because this is good. There's so many awesome songs. No, on here. But, but this is good though. I, I like I it. With... I'm really like I'm really <laughs> flabbergasted by this like this Panic at What's the, the Disco the song? song. It's called This Is Gospel. Right. But I only know one Panic at the Disco song, and it's the closing the goddamn door song, oh, which yeah, I loved I when I was song, a teenager, yeah. and I yeah. could talk about that song. But I actually have no idea what this song is. But how, how do you? How could it have ended up there? Let's, let's, my let's only thought is that my own... cousin likes Panic at the Disco and that okay. she used to use my computer. Right. So, so and tell us about your cousin. My cousin Ellie. She, yeah. I moved here with her. She moved from Perth, and I yeah. moved from New South Wales, and we moved into this place together. Ah, right, okay. Um, Holly, this dog is Ellie's dog. Oh well, to um, see it's look the old. This is why it's important because yeah. you know these connections are now all exactly. starting to kind of meet up. Holly's getting lots of love tonight. Yeah. Um, she's just moved in with her boyfriend. So she moved out of here and Kristen, my new roomie, moved in. But I'm looking after Holly while she's moving. So I get to just have the good dog time. 
and she was obviously a uh, or a, a, a panic in the disco, panic at the disco fan. Or do you I think, think if we asked her, would she just be like, "Well, this is an anomaly to me too"? Or? She's gonna listen to this podcast and laugh her ass off. This is gospel by Panic at the Disco came up on my playlist. <laughs> well, I'm, it'll be on the Spotify playlist Man, now, of so I'll all, get to hear it. Of all numbers, you could have. Picked, it was, of course, we it was going to happen. We could have had Edith Piaf on that playlist, or like. <laughs> or but like I was saying to you, you know, earlier before we started, you know, don't feel bad about it, um, or <laughs> or you know, insecure about it or anything, because. Every single person I've spoken to when when we've exposed their uh, top 25 list, they've always, before they've started talking about it, they've all started with a disclaimer. Now, look, you know, before we go here, I just need you to understand. With Tony, Bu- <laughs> with Tony Buchan, the guy who was my very first I'm episode, no you know, he talked about how, you know, he obviously listens to a lot of rough mixes and stuff like that. So that's going to infiltrate things, you know, with Rove. It was like my kids... You know, I listen, so like half of his stuff is filled up with like, you know, uh, and I don't kids know music what this song is. <laughs> this is my problem. This if I had a guilty pleasure time. one that was like really embarrassing, I would 100% own that. Um, I'm going to give you, Melody Paul, I'm going to give you a, um, okay. I'm going to give you a reprieve here. And we're just going to, we're going to make an exception to the rule. <gasps> Yay! And instead of putting that. Panic at the Disco song on. It we'll might be a great on, song. We'll like, put on the knows? other Panic at the Disco song you mentioned. There, oh, like Close Closing the, the God. Goddamn Door. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Or? I can't remember. Wait. What's that song called? Don't they sing Murder on the Dance Floor? Oh, no. No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> Relevant, this is, though. This is uh, Melody's uh, housemate, Kristen, is uh, walking past. Yeah, she started singing. She's eating my ice cream. <laughs> she heard us talk about Panic at the Disco and just like, what? <laughs> i got to be in on this. No, we'll, we'll do the other one. But I've got a feeling okay. that the other one has got one of those really annoying, long emo titles that's like, you know, about 20 words and has absolutely Wait, nothing I'm to do with the Google song. I'm going to Google it. I write sins, not tragedies. Hello. Thank you very much. Did Jebediah well, ever have what? songs like that? No. That were just like I don't think so. Um, random it's not names as, that had nothing to do with the song. It's not as long as I thought it would be, but it's still, it's still long and it's still stupid. Um <laughs> Kristen's terrified to come into the lounge room now because she knows the microphone's on. Um, no, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think of your question. Um, did Jebediah ever? I'm trying to think. I don't think we did. This was a this this when this kind of emo phenomenon thing. It really kind of kicked in in the 2000s. In the 90s, it was like. Oh okay. Yeah, so we sort of. So it was my Even though time. when we toured in America, um, we were kind of lumped into that scene. We toured with our bands like Jimmy Eat World and, oh, and really? Get Up Kids <laughs> and stuff like that, yeah. Um, who was sort of, yeah, considered emo. So we was, yeah. but it sort of, after that, that whole scene completely blew up with bands like that and Fall Out Boy and stuff. And bands that My sounded, Chemical Romance. My Chemical yeah. Romance, of course. That's, <laughs> to, to my ears... Um, you know, sounded very different to the early era of emo yeah, yeah, yeah. bands that sure. I, you know, like Jimmy Wilden, Get Up. Oh, it turned it very kind different, of, yeah. Yeah, kind of got, um, well, it got very poppy. It got very poppy, it got very dramatic. Very dramatic, yeah. Very um, theatrical. Very theatrical, yeah. Like, old mate here, I write Sins <laughs> Not Tragedies with his top hat on. I write, I write Sins Not Tragedies. 
Um, all right. Do you want to pick another song? Let's see if we can um, redeem ourselves number. with uh, the last one. I'm oh, going to say I'm number. I'm scared. I'm scared. Number. Don't pick number one. Number pick four. A, number four. Okay. Forgiven, forgotten. Angel Olsen. Ah, Fucking banger. Um, forgiven. For, so tell me about Angel Olsen because I you don't, don't know, know Angel who Olsen. Angel Olsen is. Um, she's this awesome American chick. She's just a really awesome songwriter. She's got this cool like lo-fi sound and this really like kooky voice, but she's such a beautiful songwriter and um. Yeah, I'm. I've got a girl crush on her. Like, she's. What, she's so, got what sort of ear work is she? Uh, like, what's the ear is she from? Is she like present day? Oh yeah, yeah, she's present yeah. day. Um, I actually got really, really excited the other day because she started following me on Instagram. Ah, well, that's that is definitely something to be excited about. And I think I... that like her being number four, she's number three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine on my playlist. So. I so think all from the same record. That's all from the same Yeah, because this is another it... interesting thing about playlists too, and I noticed this about my own, is that uh, a lot, I have a lot of songs that are clumped together because mm-hmm. I listen to records all the way through a lot. So yeah. is that, would that yeah, be yeah, your yeah. experience? Yeah, like, that's you... like these two. Like my first two are from the same artist and like my like the, the last two are from the same record. Mm. These three from the same record, like that. Because I think, like, I listen to a I lot get, of albums. Yeah, I get the, I get the impression that these days that people cherry pick songs, maybe when they buy no, them. Oh yeah, totally. But when they play them at home, maybe everything's just on shuffle or random. Or, yeah. Or people put together their own playlists and stuff, which is cool. That totally. Um, and I, but yeah, I just kind of get the impression that, that, that a lot of people are kind of listening to music that way, and um, the idea of like just putting on a rec- start of a record and listening mm. to a record from start to finish for like whether it's thirty minutes or an, over an hour. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I get the bit... sense that maybe that is a dying kind of thing. It is a bit dying, but at the same time, I think there's like I, I will listen to like single songs from albums if I'm like not hugely invested in the artist mm. or don't really like love the whole album yeah, or whatever yeah. if I've heard it. Yeah. But if I love a whole album, yeah. I... If like I, Tom if Petty I... record, you just like <laughs> leave out free fall and get all the rest. Exactly. Yeah. But like, for instance, like take that Angel Olsen record. I had heard a few songs from it and I'd loved it and I loved her last record. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get this and listen to this whole album in full the mm. way that it's intended to be listened to mm. and the way that it, it's been put out to the world. Mm. Cause I think that it's really important to listen to an album that way. But I usually, like I said, only do it with artists that I really feel invested in or yeah. that I've like listened to a few songs and loved them and been like, yeah. okay, this is the journey that they want to take me on. Yeah, yeah. So I'll listen to the whole album front to back. Yeah. And that's how I like listening to whole records. Yeah. But I kind of have to be a little bit introduced to it first. Like I feel yeah, like yeah. I need to be given a little olive branch first. Um, so to finish off, I kind of like to ask a, a final question and it can sometimes kind of come across as a little bit kind of deep, but um, don't, I don't want you to feel No, it's fine. I've had like pressure. 10 revelations today. <laughs> like I feel like I'm totally in deep mode. <laughs> um, for me, like when I look back at the music that, I grew up listening to, particularly through my teenage years and stuff, yeah. and when I started to play guitar and forming a band, and those really formative musical years. Um, I can look back on now and, and, and realise to, to far more to a degree than I could at the time that it was happening about how much it kind of shaped me, not just mm. influenced the kind of music that I got into and that I discovered, 
but it influenced the people that I met and it went as far to, you know, influence the kind of opinions that I held about uh, or the views that I would have about like, you know, like social issues and absolutely and really sort of opened so many doors and connected me to so many things that go so far beyond just music, you know, and you kind of end up getting to a point as an adult where, and you know, obviously a few years older than you, but, um, (laughs) but you get to a point where you kind of start to realize like music has kind of shaped my my being to such a intense kind of degree. Yeah. I don't know. Any, anything Um, like that to offer? Oh, absolutely. Like a hundred percent. I feel like just like you, like it's shaped so much of my Mm. personality being in this industry. I, I think, like, I I go back and forth with it between loving it and hating it mm. because I, I got to a stage, like, last year where I sort of felt like, well, what, what if I didn't have that, I don't know who I would be mm. and who would I be if I hadn't been involved with yeah. music, if yeah. I didn't have this gift or talent or... Mm. Um, ability like who would I be would I even be worthy to the people that I Mm. am friends with now all the musicians that I'm friends with that connect with me would I completely like not have a connection with and it really like fucked me up for a bit Mm. I was really kind of wigged out by um, who I would be without that but yeah um, I guess that's a bit you know like I can totally understand that I've thought that as well in the past and there was that fear that you know when you're identity starts to become so defined by your interests and and i feel like when you have like a certain level of success um you find that there's a lot of people that want to be friends with you just because of Mm, that and mm. it doesn't like in in a way you think oh that's nice and then in a way you think well they don't actually care about me like do they actually want to Mm. connect with me or just with who they think i am Mm. And yeah, it can be it can be a little bit confronting to mm. to stand in front of yourself and, and how do you approach like I'm making friends or meeting new people? I sometimes I've I've been known to lie a bit about yeah. it. Um, just if I meet people that I know that I'm probably not going to see again, I'll uh, say I'm in real estate or something. Exactly, but um, just, to <laughs> yeah, just yeah. to see how they'll treat me when yeah, I, yeah, yeah. like you say, like you're a musician, you're a songwriter, and you travel around doing that as a job. People are like, "Ooh, how exotic!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get a different reaction Absolutely. than you would if you had said, "I'm a financial advisor." Like, mm. you don't get the same reaction as you normally would, yeah. but um. But I usually, it's usually something that I don't tell people straight up. Yeah. I, I usually wait until there's a oh, moment yeah. for them yeah. to be like, oh, what do you do? Yeah. I, 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 I avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the nth degree. <laughs> to the point where, yeah. and probably it's, you know, not the best way to kind of, to kind of go about things necessarily. <laughs> but yeah, I avoid it so badly because I just, I hate that feeling that like, um, when you meet somebody that it's an uneven playing field yeah. because they can like find out stuff about me yeah. that I can't find out about them. Well, once they find out what I do, <laughs> they can go on Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they can <laughs> just Google like, you. <laughs> find out all this stuff. And then they exactly. know all this stuff about me. If they can look at like articles. Yeah, and, and that's not fair. It's not. But <laughs> the other thing that I think as well is that 
of the like unlevel playing field is sometimes I feel like if I tell people I'm a musician that this is me just totally overanalyzing again but if I'm like say I'm getting my hair done by a stranger or whatever um, and they're like oh what do you do while they're doing my hair I'm like oh I'm a musician I feel like they automatically go into like a a bit of a you think you're better than me so I'm going to act better than you think I think I think I I fear that people think that I think that they're Mm. that I'm better than them because mm. I do something creative. Mm. And so I think I, a lot of the time I shy away from telling them just to avoid yeah, yeah, any yeah. awkward moments like that, just so that I can be like, no, I appreciate what you do too. All right. Uh, Melody Paul, thank you so much for inviting me into your home. Uh, thanks for letting me ramble into your microphone. No, as, as in, rambling is what this podcast is all about. <laughs> um, now, uh, before we finish, do you want to plug anything, anything coming up that you want I, okay. to know about? Sure bit of plugging yeah do some plug. yep. um what have i got coming up i've got um a big co-headline tour nationally with peter bibby around australia cool. that you can see on my facebook because i don't know the dates off by heart but um i've got that i'm playing at dashville festival and yeah I'm a cool person. Check me out. <laughs> so yeah, check, check out Melody's Facebook page. You get to see the... this terrible dog that's in front of you that um, thinks she's human. That, uh, <laughs> and that's a pretty big tour with Peter Bibby, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a five-week like tour. Cool. It's a big one. Awesome. It's going to be awesome. Cool. All right. Thank you very much for chatting. Thank you for Cheers having now. me. See you later. See ya.